let's take our Bibles to the book of Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 25. This will be a, a preparation message for missions conference, but let's study the Bible just a minute before we get into the, the message, which won't last very long. In Matthew 25, you find a patch of Scripture that has been so misinterpreted, a lot of, a lot of heresy has come out of this chapter because people don't understand what Jesus is talking about. If you know how to study the Bible then you're aware how the Bible is written to the Jew, to the Gentile, or to the church of God. Those three are very different. What God says to the Jew, He's not saying to the church. What God says to a Gentile, or a heathen, or somebody that's without God, is a different thing than He would say to His church. We as saved people, we're not Jew or Gentile. We're a part of God's body, the body of Jesus Christ. So we're a different group of people. So there are certain places in the Bible that are directed to the church. There are certain places in the Bible that are directed to the nation of Israel, such as the Sabbath day, the sacrifices, so on and so forth. There are passages in the Bible directed to, to lost people. Um, you know, I've... It's funny how some people misapply just about everything they can misapply in the Bible. The text where it says, where there are many will come to the Lord Jesus and they'll say, Lord, Lord, have we not done this, this? And he'll say, depart from me, everlasting fire. I never knew you. Well, that's not written to the church. Do you understand? So if you belong to Jesus, that's not written to you. That's written to somebody that does not belong to Jesus. Um. So anyway, in Matthew 25, there's a lot of things that deal with this subject. We'll start in verse number 1, and we'll, we'll get to, to our missionaries and our missions conference in just a moment. But he says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. You've all heard preaching on the ten virgins. But the Bible says this is a parable the Lord's given concerning the kingdom of heaven. Now, in verse number 14, he does the same thing. This whole chapter is about the kingdom of heaven. You see verse 14? For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling in the far country. And then he gives these servants talents. And so the kingdom of heaven is not the same as the kingdom of God. It's not the same. The word God and heaven are not the same. Heaven is a place. God is a person. If you study the Bible, and I could go through all the verses with you. You can just jot them down if you like. The Bible said in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus said the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. And the kingdom of God is, is not something that you can see visibly because he says in the next verse, the kingdom of God is within you. So when he talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about an inward kingdom. It's inside of someone. Okay, that's the kingdom of God. He never said the kingdom of heaven is within you. He didn't say that. He said the kingdom of God is within you. You say, what's the difference? Words make a lot of difference. The Bible tells us in uh, the book of Romans, when you start studying the book of Romans, it says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. That's physical things that you do. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So 
the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical kingdom. When Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He didn't say heaven. He said the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven is going to be a physical kingdom. A literal, Jesus does have a literal kingdom. You don't see it right now. That's where people are all mixed up. You know, the Pope thinks that Jesus Christ's kingdom is on earth. If it is, it's not a very good one. Right? Jesus does not have a kingdom upon this earth with His throne. He's, he's not ruling and reigning this world. He's not. The God of this world is in charge of this world. All you have to do is have half a brain and you'll see how, God, how the devil is in charge of this world. Not Jesus. Now, the Lord can be in charge of you. See, that's a different kingdom on the inside. But He's not in charge of what's going on in Washington or Beijing or Moscow or Rome. He's not in charge of that. Men are in charge of that, and they're doing a terrible job at it, I might add. So you enter the kingdom of God by the new birth. That's the spiritual kingdom. Jesus Christ, though, is coming again to set up His kingdom upon this earth. God has given to Him the throne of His father David. Not just a throne in your heart, but He has been given the throne of His father David. He's never sat on that throne. But He will. He's never ruled and reigned this world. But He will. And He'll do it for a thousand years. Somebody says, well, isn't that figurative? If that's figurative, then the devil's figurative. It's in the same chapter. If that's figurative, then the lake of fire is figurative. Which they try to teach that. It's in the same chapter. And so the book of Revelation is a very literal book. It's a very literal book. It's not, one, one person said, the book of Revelation is not hard to understand. It's just hard to believe because it's so wild. So God has given a throne to Jesus. He didn't have it yet, but he should have the throne in your heart. Now, having said that, the context of Matthew 25 is Jesus having a throne in this world. You say, what does that have to do with the church? I'll get to that in just a minute. But he says in in Matthew 25, watch how the Lord is coming back to this earth in each of these, each of these passages in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, the Bible says, verse 13, after he talks about the virgins, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Do you see that? That's His coming back to this earth to establish that kingdom of heaven. The next passage, Matthew twenty-five, fourteen, for the kingdom of heaven, as is a man traveling in the far country. And the Bible says in verse 19, watch it. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. You see that? You've got the coming of the Lord Jesus at the end of the first passage, you've got the coming of the Lord mentioned in this passage. And the first passage talks about the fact that no man knows the day or the hour when he's going to come. The second verse is saying he's going to come after a long time. I'd say 2,000 years qualifies. That's a pretty long time for me. And when he comes, he's going to come back to this earth to establish that kingdom of heaven. Now, look at the passage I am interested in. Verse 31 
I'm, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm giving you the doctrinal reason, import of this text before I get into talking to you about what we can get out of this text. Because here's the truth. I can read the book of Leviticus and get something for my life. You understand? The book of Leviticus is written to Jews that are under the law that have to observe certain things. But I can read that same book because God gave me a whole Bible, not part of a Bible. And though I understand those things were written to the Jews, they are also for my learning. They're also for my example. There's something God wants to tell me in that about me, though He wrote that to them. So the same thing here with Matthew 25. This is about Jesus coming to the earth, setting up His kingdom. That's not the kingdom we're in right now. God's dealing with the church. His kingdom is inside of me. But look at verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come, now how's He going to come? Not in your heart. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, watch it, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. So the same context of the previous uh passages in Matthew 25, Jesus is coming back to this earth to set up His kingdom. When He comes, He not only says that no man knows the day or the hour, He not only says it's going to be a long time, but then He also says in this, He's coming in His glory. He's not coming as a humble uh, humble Jew. He's not coming as a carpenter's son. He's not coming as a very meek man. He's coming in all of His glory. And He's coming with all of His holy angels. And He's going to sit upon the throne of His glory. And the Bible said, verse 32, And before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Now, now again, this is about the earthly kingdom and people have messed this passage up. They say, all right, one of these days, the Lord's going to bring all men before him. And he's going to put, if you're a good person, he'll put the sheep here. If you're a bad person, he'll put the goats here. The goats will go to hell and, and the sheep are entered into heaven. That's not what he said. He said that all the nations, you know, talking about individuals. He's talking about nations. All these flags, if, if they're still that way when he gets here. There's something about nations that gets changed every now and then across the globe, doesn't it? But about 200 nations, whatever nations are left, every nation is going to come before His throne. And then Jesus Christ is going to make a choice about that nation. He's going to cast some nations into hell, and He's going to let other nations go into His kingdom. And there's no vote. And there's no appeal. Jesus says, all right, this nation, you go to hell. This nation, you go into the kingdom. Now, that's what the text is talking about. Now, if I understand that all these nations are going to be judged by God, would I not want to do my best to reach the people out of those nations before they have to stand before the Lord in His glory? 
Now, I know that I, I'm going to be gone, I, that, that the rapture is going to take place. I'm going to be one coming back with Jesus Christ. But, but all nations are going to be judged. And here's the thing. We can either reach the nations or we can let the Lord judge the nations. And, of course, that's true about, about people as well. The Lord's going to judge all individuals. But, man, should we do our part into trying to reach them before that judgment takes place? So this passage is about the judgment of nations. But look how he judges them. This passage has also been used by people that preach a social gospel. It's been used by people that preach humanism, that don't understand what Jesus is trying to say. What is the basis of Jesus judging these nations? Would you look at it, verse number 35. For I was in hunger and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he also... Shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he gives the same thing. I was a hundred hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me no drink. Strange, ye took me not in. Naked, ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, ye visited me not. Then shall they answer him, Lord, when saw we thee? And he says, If you did it to my brethren, you did it to me. So who are the brethren he's talking about? So he's talking about, during the tribulation period, how other nations are treating the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how they're treating the Israelites. Because we as his people are gone. We're gone. And so he's talking about how, how they're treating his brethren. That's going to be a basis of how he judges the nations, how those nations treated the, his brethren, those of his kindred, you see. All right, I understand that's what the passage is about. Now, what can I get out of that and what does that have to do with missions? Well, I think it's also intriguing, number one, that the Lord calls us his sheep. Does he not? He says, my sheep know my, hear, know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He's the good shepherd of the sheep. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the chief shepherd of the sheep. We are the flock of God. We are his sheep. But when I look at this text, he says, as you have done to my brethren, so you've done to me. So who are his brethren? In the context, it's those of the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But who, who, who does he have brethren now? Look at Matthew, just turn back a little bit, Matthew chapter Number, I believe it's 12. Matthew chapter 12. So they come to Jesus during his ministry, and this is what they say to him in Matthew chapter 12. Verse number, 40, uh, verse number 47. Matthew 12, 47. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. And he answered said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? Here's a good question. And who are my brethren? 
Who are my brethren? If we want to look at the passage of Matthew 25 about if you've not done the least of these my brethren, who are his brethren? Is everybody his brethren? Now the social gospel and the humanistic people say he's just talking about how you treat humanity. I remind you, everybody is not related to Jesus. He's not talking about how you just treat everybody. That, that's how they use that passage. People that don't believe the Bible and they teach you work salvation. If you'll just treat other people right, God will let you into His kingdom. He'll let you into His heaven. And that is such a disastrous exposition of Scripture. This is His brethren. Well, who are, who's, He said, who is my brethren? 49. I still ask myself that question. Who, is, who, who are my brethren? That, that's a good question. He said in verse 49, he stretched forth his hand toward his, what does it say? Disciples. And said, behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, if you want to be a part of the brethren of the Lord Jesus, you have to do the will of the father. What is the will of the father? Every, the will of the Father is everyone that seeth the Son will believe on Him. The will of the Father is that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is willing for us. His will is for every person to trust Christ. And if you don't trust Christ, you're not in His will. And if you've not trusted Christ, you're not a part of His family. So, and you're not a disciple. So these disciples who had done the will of the Father were part of the brethren of the Lord. Well, who else is his brethren? Go to Hebrews chapter 2. You know, the Bible tells us, as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 2, he tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus still has brethren, and they're not of the seed of Israel. He tells us here in the Word of God in Hebrews chapter 2, watch it real closely. He'll tell you who his brethren are. Verse 9, Hebrews 2, 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, watch it, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them Brethren, if God has sanctified you by His Spirit, if He sanctified you by His blood, if He sanctified you, amen, through the Word of God, then you are a part of His brethren. Look at the next verse, verse 12. Saying, this is Jesus talking, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, watch it, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. So those that are in the church, truly in the church, that are born into the family of God. The church, those people are his brethren. He says in verse number 17, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So if, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, 
He's also your brother. Now, isn't that a strange thing? You're in the same, you know why you're his brother? Because you've got the same father. Because if you're born again, if you're born from above, you can bow your head and talk to the father. So he's the firstborn among many brethren. So his brethren are we who know Christ as our Savior, that have done the will of the Father, that are his disciples. We are his brethren. So if I want to make a spiritual application with the text that we've read, how should I treat his brethren? Look at 3 John. We preached this just a little while ago. In 3 John... There was a problem with somebody not treating the brethren right and strangers right. And the Bible said in the little epistle of 3 John, verse number 5, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest, watch it, to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. It almost looks like some missionaries are coming through, and they're part of the brethren, not just our brethren, but the Lord's brethren. And there's somebody here that has charity for them, that deals with them faithfully, that receives them, because they are, for his name's sake they are living. That's exactly what our missionary brethren are doing so my text is how do I need to treat Jesus's brethren that's the name of my message how do I treat the brethren of Jesus how do I treat them I'd say you ought to be very careful how you treat the brethren of the Lord because in Matthew 25 (laughs) He's throwing nations in hell that didn't treat his brethren right. No wonder 3 John is such an epistle of condemnation of the one that would not receive those brethren and, and care for them and show them charity. Here's what I want to tell you. Go back to Matthew 25. This is a real easy message. This is what I want to tell you tonight. Coming through our church this week are the brethren of Jesus. Is that not true? If they're saved, they're the brethren of our Lord. Scripturally, they are. So how am I going to treat them? You know what Jesus said in Matthew 25? He said, just like you treat my brethren, you're treating me. Isn't that what he said? Because we're in the same family. So however you treated my brethren, that's how you're treating me. By the way, that's why Jesus, when he met Saul on the Damascus road, and he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest? He didn't say the church. Me. In other words, Saul, what you're doing, you're you're not hurting people you're looking at. You're lashing out at me. You're hurting me. So this 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 is the scriptural principle. How I treat the brethren of the Lord Jesus is how I'm treating Jesus. Is that not the principle in Matthew 25? Now let me ask you a question. If Jesus were to come to our missions conference, 
how would we treat him? Would we show up? Would we listen? Would we love on him? I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Would we want to give him something? Would we want to listen to him? So what, here's what I'm trying to say. These missionaries, are, they're, are the, they're our brethren, but they're not just our brethren. They're the brethren of our Lord. And how we treat them shows how we treat Jesus. And by the way, that's really true about how we treat one another. If we really love him, then we're going to love each other. If we're really going to treat him right, we've got to treat each other right. I don't know why people can't see that. It's not just a relationship this way. It's also a relationship this way. And so the Bible says right here, Jesus said, now, now how did they treat these brethren? And how should we treat these brethren that are coming through? Look at your text. I'll give it to you right from the mouth of the Lord. He says in verse 35, For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. The first thing we need to do, we need to feed the Lord's brethren. Amen. Jerry's laughing at me because he, he thinks I'm going to the smoker, but that's not really where I'm headed. But I believe in that. He said, preacher, preacher, why are we having meals? You know, guys, I could just told them, you know, go. I tell you what, I've been on deputation and had to feed my own self. And I didn't complain about it. I don't expect anything from anybody. The Lord takes, but I tell you, I, I've been on, they didn't, they didn't do anything for me. That's fine. But you know what? I want to feed the brethren of the Lord. I want to take care of their meals. He said, preacher, we're getting together and we got we're taking some we have families taking people out on Sunday afternoon. We've got uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, we've got people hosting. We've got the international dinner on Saturday. I appreciate everybody that's having a part in that. You know what? Why? Because we are feeding the brethren of the Lord, and in feeding them, we're feeding him. I really believe that. But now wait a minute. Feeding someone is not just chicken and hamburgers and you know the bible talks about man shall not live by bread alone but by every word we ought to we ought to feed them some fellowship we ought to feed them some spiritual things amen bread by the way bread how many of you heard that that's that's a that's a word that people talk about for money Lay some bread on me. Right? Right? Matter of fact, I heard some people, now they're calling it chicken. Yeah, y'all got to get more woke, you know. I mean, somebody took my chicken. Yeah, he's talking about money. Anyway, I didn't need to say that. But bread, we need to feed them. Feed them. And we don't just feed them one time. We've got, so, we've got man, I'm so excited about all the money we're going to give away. Guys, the only way we can do that is because you're giving. Faith promise is so that we can feed the brethren of the Lord. We can feed them all around the world. We can feed them when they come. We can give out the bread. It's not about making our ministry bigger. It's about taking care of the brethren of the Lord that are doing the work of God. 
That's why we ask you to pray with your kids about their faith promise. Pray about your faith promise. Because what it is, it is me feeding the resources that are needed to those brethren of Jesus. And I guarantee you what, if Jesus Christ walked through the door back there, He can have all the money I have. Is that right? I I mean, He he can take my credit cards. I I don't even care. And He says the way you treat that, my brethren is the way you treat me. So we need to feed them. And then he says, look at it, verse number 35. For I was in hunger and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. You know what else we need to do? We need to quench their thirst. Guys, we, we, we probably got some missionaries coming in here thirsty. And they've been on that road with their family. And they need a drink of water. And what I want this missions conference to be, I I want it to be a refreshing. I got all these verses down I won't read them. Go home and read read every time the Bible talks about somebody getting refreshed. My spirit, he, he says, Titus' spirit was refreshed when you received him, when I sent him to, when the missionary sent He talks about all those, Paul talks about all those people that refreshed him on his missionary endeavors and the brethren would come by and they would refresh him and just give him a cold drink from heaven. Oh, if there's any reason that we ought to come in here right with God and prayed up and fasted up and and had the right spirit is because these brethren of the Lord come in. We want them to get a good drink and we want them to go out and say Praise God! God is still alive! And there's still people that love Jesus and there's still people that are trying to live by the Bible. And I'm encouraged and I'm refreshed. I think everybody needs to be on their P's and Q's. We ought to be dressed to the nines. Amen. Giving these missionaries just a great drink. We saw that this summer when some of those evangelists came through. Man, they walked out of here like they were walking on cloud nine. Because there was a good spirit in the church. Don't steal the refreshing drink from God's brethren by bringing in a bad spirit to church. Don't do that. Refresh them. When they come in, they want to say, man, I, if, I wish I could be a part of that church. I want to go back. Because I guarantee you they go places saying, man, glad I can get out of here. How dead, how boring, how rude. Don't be rude to our missionaries. Love them. I may be preaching to the choir. I know y'all love missionaries. But I mean, love them. Be a good drink for them. Do you need anything? Because you know what Jesus said? I was thirsty. And you gave me a drink. I want to give them a good drink. I want them to know that other people care about them. And I don't care if they're on a plane coming from Europe, amen, or if they've got brown skin driving from Navajo land. It doesn't matter to me. They are the brethren of the Lord, and I want to give them a drink. I want to give them a drink. I hope our missions conference can do that. can't do that without you. I was in hunger and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. Then he says, I was a stranger and you took me in. 
And he goes on to say at the end of verse 36, I was in prison and you came to me. In other words, he says, I was sick and you visited me. They, they received though these brethren, though they were in prison, though they were sick, they received them. They weren't ashamed that, or afraid of them because they were in prison or, or they were sick or whatnot or that they were a stranger. Guys, I mean, th- thank you for being good to Brother, Brother Whiteside. I mean, he's a northerner. <laughs> Amen. Never been here before. Guys, if we, if we can't learn to be good to strangers, our Christianity is not worth it. Okay, they're different than you are. Well, if they're brethren of the Lord, receive them. See, that was the problem over there in 3 John. Receive them like your own family. I've always seen attitudes in God's people to be very funny that sometimes people won't receive a missionary into their home. We, we got people that go overboard the other way. You won't leave them alone. <laughs> that's a nervous laugh, but that's all right. But, but then you got some people, you, you wouldn't invite a missionary to your house for love or money. But, you know, the Bible says we ought to receive him just like they were our family because you know what? They are. They're our family. We just hadn't met them before. We're going to be in heaven forever. Receive them. Because he says, Jesus said, you're receiving me. You're taking me in. You're visiting me. Mm. And they didn't understand that. How about verse 36? Naked and ye clothe me. Hmm. Let's clothe them. You know, the Bible talks about clothing not just being you know, a garment that you have on the outside of your body. He talks about being clothed with humility. He talks about being clothed with the garments of salvation. We can be clothed with be clothed all sorts of ways. We can clothe them with a spiritual covering. You know, whatever covering they need. Listen, you, you know what clothes do? They cover up stuff. At least that's what they are made to do. Right? We wear clothes to cover up what should not be seen. God help me not to preach, but that's that's what it's supposed to, it's supposed to cover stuff. Well, you know our missionaries may need may need a covering from us. Maybe they need your prayers to cover their life and their family. Maybe they need our support in in some way for their family. And we can provide that clothing, that covering that they need. They don't just need money. They need our prayers. And then he said, lastly, he says uh, in verse 36, I was sick and you visited me. And I, I look at that. You know, I don't know. They need to be supported if they're whatever their problem is. Guys, you know, missionaries have problems like you. They have family issues like you that you don't even know. They, they get sick like we do. They get sick on the inside like we do. He said, I was in prison and you visited me. It almost, it almost, or sick. It's almost like he's alone. Almost like he's alone. And he says, you were there to support me by visiting me. 
You are there for me. We need to be there for the brethren of the Lord. Maybe they're despondent. Maybe they're alone. But this is what the devil does in our minds. I get through preaching a message like this, and the devil says, Yeah, where are they all for you? You see how that gets twisted? You know the thing that will help my heart and your heart and all of our hearts from anything else? If we will concentrate on the needs of others instead of our own needs. And that's what missions is about. And I'll say this. If, if we're not focused, and we all have needs in this building. We have birds to bear that some people don't even know about. But if that keeps me from treating the brethren of the Lord the way they need to be treated, then not much to my Christianity. So church... I admonish you. Jesus is coming to town. Let's treat him right.